Hi, this is the Big Brain Time Podcast, and I'm your host, Will. Or Graham. And, and I'm Will. Yeah, you mixed up our names there, Graham. Ah, uh, yes. It is indeed called the Big Brain Time Podcast for a reason. Yes, and today we're going to be discussing some interesting conspiracy theories. As well as some interesting tales and and uh, different facts from history and recent times. Just general quirky interesting things that you may not have known. During this episode, we'll be covering the death of Paul McCartney in 1966, the Zambian Space Force, uh, the Australia's Floating Hotel. The fact that Australia, neither Australia nor Finland actually exist, and the interesting tale of how the Seven Years' War was won. All right, so we sh- let's get started with the Paul McCartney theory. So, essentially, a combination of multiple things, such as an undocumented car crash, Ash, Paul looking completely different, like before and after the call crash, the the car crash, not the call crash, and the one of the records saying "I buried Paul" when played backwards, I believe. Um, and, a lot of people, and hmm? another one saying "Turn me on, dead man," which is probably more of a coincidence, but yeah. Now there are some interesting theories. One of them is that I buried Paul does isn't actually I buried Paul. It actually says cranberry sauce. It's more it's more of a counter theory, but if you listen to the cranberry field or <laughs> <laughs> I love cranberry. <laughs> if you listen to the strawberry field saw so- or uh record disc backwards, it says depending on your accent or just whatever speed you're listening to it, it either says cranberry sauce or I buried Paul. We listen so, to it at both speeds, and personally, I've concluded that it says cranberry sauce rather than I buried Paul. I agree with Graham. I think it does, in fact, say cranberry sauce. Although um, some viewers of more of a British descent may say I buried Paul, if you thought of it with an accent, but that's a bit far-fetched. So I think we're going to abandon this the string of the theory is conclusive evidence. Yeah, you know, we, we can never know if Paul is really dead. Yeah, and the car crash and the apparent change in facial structure of Paul McCartney after 1966 is a little bit sketchy. Yeah, like, it's pretty sus to me. I think Paul is sus, we should vote him out. Because they've done... An analysis of his ear structure and its cheekbones, and they're visibly different from pre-1966. But apparently, upon when Paul McCartney heard the theory, he says, well, I very much disagree with that after hearing from a major record, record label in 1966 England. Oh, good old Paul. Anyways, I mean... I feel like this theory's been pretty well covered, and I think now we should talk about what everybody really wants to hear about, the Great Zambian Space Program. Before we delve into this story, it should be noted that they were entirely serious, and this was not done as satirical or as an act of folly. This was, they were fully intended to, they fully intended themselves to make it to the moon or Mars before the US or Russia could. 
However, unfortunately, the United Nations denied to give them $700 million. So and they weren't the US, able to fulfill their dreams. And the U.S. Scientific Fund did not supply them with $2 billion American dollars, which sadly doomed their space program to failure. They prepared their astronauts by rolling them down hills in oil drums and variety of other aeronautical experimental um, practices in order and to they were very the rigors of anti-gravity living. And they were very, very progressive. They were going to send a woman, two cats, and a missionary to Mars. However, to don't worry, don't worry. He warned the missionary that he can't force Christianity on the people in Mars if they don't want it. That's what Nicol Nicoloso said, the chief of the space program. He later on, after the apparent defeat of their space program by the U.S., when the U.S. made their successful moon landing, he actually went into politics and became the head of the revolution uh, ministry, which is was a like a almost like a government. Governmental branch, which was in charge of promoting Zambian independence. You know what, my man, he he went far. His space his spaceships may not have gone very far, but he himself went far, and I think we can all respect that. Yeah, building a quite a big dream while having very little. It's yeah, honorable in his it, attempt. Yeah, admittedly a bit misguided, but honorable <laughs> nonetheless. Yeah. Oh, there are so many conspiracies out there. Uh, Australia doesn't exist, by the way. That's just another thing to add on to the table. Yeah, it's... Right. The, the thing is, like, the, it, like, it kind of makes sense that there's, like, some people saying that for, like, one reason, but there's so many theories about Australia doesn't exist, all for wildly different reasons. It, like, it's I think bewildering. The most prominent one, I believe, is that the British were just dumping their prisoners into the ocean, but they didn't want to look bad internationally, even though at that point internationally, Spain was like torturing people and everybody was like, oh yeah, hell yeah, kill those heretics. And But they didn't want to lose their image, apparently. So they were like, oh, we're just dumping them on this island. Like, But I mean, it makes sense. Do you really believe an island of convicts could like survive and form a society? Oh yeah, it's, well that's and also it wasn't just them left on their own. There was British governmental um, presence on the island. They had a small military force. No, Graham, you don't understand. There was no island. Something the ocean. <laughs> they, they couldn't have formed a government. I think the most. No I think the prom most prominent one today is that the the flat Earth Society, like the official one, doesn't officially endorse Australia's existence. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not what does that they, even mean? What does they, that even they, mean? Australia is a ruse uh, put up by NASA because it couldn't physically exist in their system of physics, if you will. <laughs> of quote unquote physics. Ah, uh, yes, science. Mm. And there's also that one about Finland where it was like a. I don't even know the full details of that one. It's just. Oh, I got. It's absurd. Kind of it's, no. like, it's, it's like, okay, apparently the Soviet Union and Sweden wanted to, like, export fish to Australia, but they made Finland up to, like, cover fishing quotas. Huh. And then 
all of Finnish history is just a really big psyops. Yeah, I, I I heard a spin on it where it was like Finland is a Japanese fishing colony. Oh, there was that one too. Which yeah, literally makes no sense at all. And oh, you, I don't no, even know how the creators of that theory justified it, but oh, superior Japanese shipbuilding techniques go under Russia. Oh uh, yes. Or no, actually, even better. Russia just doesn't exist. It's just no. it's a psyops by China. Europe isn't real. Psyops by Mexico. Yeah, like, how could like a tiny continent conquer the whole world? Europe never existed. <laughs> yeah, it's like um, the no, uh, oh, completely slipped my mind. Why am I forgetting now? You got any other conspiracy theories, Paul? Oh, um. A lot of ones about just the Illuminati. Fun fact, the Illuminati actually did exist. It was a bunch of secular people who gathered like back during the Spanish Inquisition to just like talk and chill. That, that's yeah, the, about it. The Freemasons. Yeah. And then, <laughs> I'm pretty sure they're still around today. <laughs> this is completely off topic, but I want to take this moment to criticize the movie National Treasure. Do what you is want? that movie? Have you not seen it? No. It's like Nicolas Cage and they solve a mystery where it's like Benjamin Franklin had a bunch of gold or something because he's part of the Illuminati and they hid it somewhere. But it's like, to sum up the movie, it's like, do you like mystery movies but they're too European move, but they're too European for you? Take this one with Nicolas Cage. We've completely Americanized it with riddles that literally anyone could figure out. And a plot that involves running and explosions. <laughs> that is the most Hollywood thing I've ever seen. I've ever heard of. I've they also have it. like no respect for any of the artifacts they come across. Like they found apparently like this is before Franklin ships were actually found, but they're just like at this ship and then like the guy blows it up after they found this like cigarette holder or something that was like a puzzle. Oh my gosh. And then like, it, it just blows up the ship as they drive away. And then like later in the movie, he steals the Declaration of Independence so it can't be stolen by the bad guys. And he like <laughs> takes it out of its like uh, pressurized compartment and puts it in like a poster tube. And then later there's like church and they like smash in a tomb because it's like a secret entrance to this like where the gold is, it's it's just, I don't know. I don't even know how I feel about the movie. I don't even know why we're talking about it. I don't even know why I'm talking about it in the first place. No, but you know that movie is an excellent segue because you know who else loves to blow ships up? Kim Jong-un, especially the Australian floating hotel that is now in North Korea. Oh, yeah, you guys better buckle up. This is a long one. Apparently... In 1985, the Australian town near um, the Great Barrier Reef, it's a smaller town, I think it's 800,000 people in size, but they needed a tourism industry. So they talked to the idea to this Australian millionaire who said, why not make a floating hotel? And yes, you heard me right. The normal person would think, isn't a floating hotel just a cruise ship? But this man is a man of genius and ingenuity and he says no it's a floating hotel and <laughs> literally it's a like a hotel that you would expect to see on land 
but it's on a bunch of pontoons and is anchored to the Great Barrier Reef. So he had this built in Singapore, designed in Sweden, and he commissioned it in Australia. And so they sailed it all the way across the world. The designs came to um, Australia, then they sent them to Singapore, they built the ship there, and while this was being done, they had images of the ship because it had already been finished in 1985. Or no, it had been finished in 1988. And then they had pictures of it sailing. And there was a lot of hype about it. So they were like fully booked, fully prepared. And then they got into arguments with the shipbuilder, which delayed the project for five months. And by the time they had the ship delivered, they only had 85% um, occupancy on its opening day which isn't bad, but it's not great. And like because of Australian... So the main advantage of a cruise ship is that the companies that operate them can move around to different sea lanes so they don't have to follow restrictive environmental laws of some countries. But because this is an unmoving, unpowered, floating hotel, they had to abide by Australia's stringent safety and environmental laws, which means they had to have a full sewage sanitation plant on the hotel as well as an incinerator for all their garbage and a full salination plant so they could turn out 52 tons of fresh water per day from the ocean and the operating cost of this would be absurd and by late 1988 they had only 20 to 25 percent uh occupancy which is not sustainable really bad which is pretty yeah. bad so they sold it to vietnam and, As anyone would do in this situation. Yeah, yeah, just you know, normal thing. And it was the first hotel in Vietnam, right? So first it was modern hotel, I think, should be noted. Yeah, modern hotel, yeah, modern hotel. But and you know what I mean. Anyways, first modern hotel in Vietnam, and because of that, it was like decently popular. Like it actually had the pretty good bookings, and a lot of yeah, people went to it. It had a considerable, considerable positive impact on Vietnam's post-war tourism industry. Yeah. However, unfortunately, then Vietnam built other hotels on the land, and the uh, floating hotel drastically dropped in popularity. So, just as the Australians before them had done, they sold it to someone else. This was Japan. And the Japanese owners didn't really want it. So, they sold it to South Korea, who then sold it to North Korea. And then it sat in the North Korean harbor for quite a while. And it was actually the official point for re the reunification for families separated by the Korean War for about a decade, which is pretty interesting because that, that was when it first opened, it was the only place where they were actually allowed to reunify families between North Korea and South Korea who had been separated for over six, there for over 60 years. Yeah. It's an interesting spin on it. But in 2008, a South Korean tourist at the hotel was shot and killed by a North Korean soldier, and so far, the hotel has been closed. Yeah, and I believe uh, Kim Jong-un ordered it to be um, blown up, like demolished. Because the, the architecture was not in line with North Korean standards. <laughs> Ah, yes. Those very high-quality North Korean standards. And actually, another historical tidbit. 
about the long, long time ago, actually, about the Seven Years' War, which ended in 1763. Yeah, 1756 to 1763, between Prussia and the UK versus what was basically the rest of Europe. And the UK just sort of like fiddle around in their colonies while Prussia had to fight the French, the Swedish, the Austrians, and the Russians at the same time. Not the best time for them, but yeah. So basically, Prussia took Silesia from Austria, which made Austria mad, so they tried to take it back. And they were getting absolutely demolished. However, Catherine the Great of Russia died. And the next Tsar, I believe P Tsar Nicholas I, or Peter, either a Nicholas uh, or a Peter. Peter. Yeah, Peter. Yeah, Peter I, yeah. He came to power. And he was a massive Frederick the Great fanboy who was the leader of Prussia. So much that he basically promised Prussia the support of all of Russia's armies if he would give him a medal. <laughs> and so Frederick gave him a medal, and then they just won the war. A and small that... price to pay for medal. <laughs> <laughs> and that is probably the only reason modern Germany exists. So... If Frederick would have, wasn't able to buy off Russia with a medal, the world would be a very different place. <laughs> oh, that's an interesting story. I just remember yeah. the one I forgot about a while ago. Oh, what was it? So it is a semi-popular conspiracy theory that the Middle slash Dark Ages never existed. Wait, what? It's apparent that the entire Middle Ages is a conspiracy constructed by Justinian I of um, the Holy Roman Empire. Yeah, Const Con uh, Constantinople. And the Those Pope. are two very different things. <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah. That, was, that was not... Yeah, I know. It's fine, it's fine. Don't worry. Big yeah. oof. But anyway, so the entire Middle Ages were apparently invented by uh, Justinian of Constantinople and the Pope at the time. And the reason they did this was to retain control over the people they controlled by telling them how bad things were back in the day. And this conspiracy is, like, among conspiracy theories, pretty highly believed, like, conspiracy theory-wise. But it doesn't make a lot of sense because of the wide and varied historical texts from the time that were found all around Europe and some that are still turning up today, which would make like, a lot of sense. And also the existence of China and India, which yeah, completely derail like, the theory. Yeah. And like the whole Arab Golden Age and the Crusades and the Reconquista and the English-Scottish Wars and the Hundred Years War. A lot of stuff. Yeah. Kind of derails it. Just a little bit. Yeah. Oh, and the whole schism in the church. But that never happened, you know? Nope. Yeah. Mongols? What, what do you mean, Mongols? Those never, never existed. Uh, sounds like... Sounds kind of stupid, not gonna lie. Yeah, speaking of, finally got around to watch Encroaching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. I know this is going off point a little bit, but it's it's pretty interesting. What is it even about? So it's basically subtitles. And like if you look up the movie definition, it explains the first twenty minutes. 
Like, what happens after? So basically, this like woman gets like this sword from someone to give to this person, but it gets yeah. stolen by this this like ninja person whose masters like this person who killed the one of the main characters' masters. And then yeah. like the plot is a little hard to follow. <laughs> because like, like the whole premise is like that sword, the green destiny sword, but like it actually has very little importance on the course of the narrative. So it's like a MacGuffin? Yeah, pretty much it's like a MacGuffin. And then like but the best part of the movie, I think the real reason people watch it is because of the outrageous like fighting scenes. Like they just like they're literally like floating over rooftops and they're just if you actually look up what type of uh, martial arts do they use in the movie, the official Google answer is wire foo. Because it's, it's quite apparent in the movie when you're watching it that they're all just hooked up to wires and they just <laughs> float over rooftops and over walls and make these like. <laughs> it even looks like the actors are making an attempt to like look like they're running, but their like feet aren't touching the ground and they're just like floating upwards at like a steady angle. It's, it's pretty funny <laughs> to watch, but it was quite revolutionary back in the day. Oh, is it like Neil Breen levels of like editing and martial arts? No, it's it's actually better. It's better than Neil Breen. That's impossible. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Neil Breen, for those of you who don't know, is the master of the green screen. Truly wonderful. I don't. Oh. I don't think you know the real master of the green screen, Paul. Have you ever heard of the Incredible Bulk? Oh no, the incredible bulk ramp. That is. It's, it's a movie filmed exclusively with stock footage and green screens. Uh, I'm going to look up some images from this. The incredible is, bulk. I watched it and it, it's truly a bewildering experience. And oh, even my. more so when. Thad, Thanos when, was actually earlier? Yeah, I know, right? But the experience is completely bewildering, bewildering as you're watching it, and even more so when you find out they spent $20,000 making it. Wait a minute. Oh my god. It looks like a terrible YouTube animation. All the backgrounds are stock footages, and the only, like, the only original things they did was make one set of a fighter pilot cockpit, some costumes, and a 3D model of a big blue man running. Isn't it purple? Purple. I'm colorblind. It's it's truly an experience, oh. though. I'm going to look at a gift. I, I, just... I can't say I'd recommend you watch it, but, like... You should watch it if you have the chance. Yeah. I, I don't even know what to say about it, but it's it's definitely an interesting experience. <laughs> I'm watching a clip and it's beautiful. The fist just like bonks the girl coming in from the right. Oh, also, this is also slightly off topic, but you want to hear something that happened today? What? Trump fired, sorry, four um, Pentagon officials resigned and were replaced with loyal Trump officials. Oh no, it's happening. 
It's here we go, boys. Civil War 2.0. Electric Boogaloo. Oh no. But yeah. Oh, here we go again. I, I, don't, I don't think that it's going to go into Civil War, but. Oh, I know, but Amer well, Trump's going to do like. What hurts is that like Trump's going to do like everything in his power to sabotage the new government, which is going to be bad for everyone. Yeah. yeah. Including Trump. Yeah, and Biden isn't really going to know what he's doing. Well, I, th I think he's going to know what he's doing. He was vice president for eight years. No, but like, as in he's old. I don't know. I think he'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, actually... He's the oldest... Most presidents are pretty old. He's the oldest elected president, but not like oldest president to serve in office. And I mean, to be entirely fair, he's like, so far he's pretty promising. He created a COVID task force already on his first day after being elected. Now it's pretty impressive. But... Yeah, like he's not that bad. I'm sure he's going to be better than Trump, which is yeah. a very low bar. Also, I'm relatively sure Trump is probably going to go down as one of the worst presidents in U.S. history. Do you hear that? Hear what? That's the sound of all Republican viewers turning it off. <laughs> okay, Goodbye. bold of you to assume we have Republican viewers. We have bold like of you, one bold of you to assume lives. we have viewers. <laughs> <laughs> I think the views are like maybe one of my parents. Like we we have three views. According to analytics. Oh, I, wow. But uh, I don't know. I don't know if that says views on multiple platforms or if that's only Spotify. But Well, you know, I don't shout know. out to our three loyal viewers. Yeah, maybe in like 15 years we'll print you guys off some t-shirts or something. Maybe in 15 years we'll have six loyal viewers. Wouldn't that be something? Yeah, that's almost more than 10. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I am I am excited to see what goes down in the States. Yeah, I it'll be definitely interesting. Like it's it's not like it's not gonna be at regular times. I think all that can be guaranteed right now. Oh it's not regular times already, because aren't I the know. aren't the protests mounting and then there's counter protests going on? Counter protest for whom? For Black Lives Matter and Trump. Oh. Would a counter protest to Black Lives Matter just be like Black Lives Don't Matter? I don't even know. I don't know. It, it is. I think we talked about this before, but it really is interesting to see the parallels between this Trump's presidency and the Nixon presidency with all the civil unrest and. Um, Scandals that is undergone. But the problem is Trump can own scandals. Nixon can't. That's true. Yeah, like yeah, it's a good point. Because Nick, Nixon, after his scandal, just like resigned and left. Trump just has so many scandals you can't like pick one to zone in on. I know. Like everybody just forgets about them. Yeah, it's almost like there was one author I was reading, and it's saying that all the media and everything shows 
Congress is such corrupt um, organization. And yeah. it's really not as corrupt as everyone says, but this is a major problem because when there actually is corruptness, people just excuse it as normal. Yeah. Which is yeah, interesting to think about. Yeah, because like, like corruption isn't normal. It shouldn't be normal. Yeah, it shouldn't be a normal thing. Yeah. Which is sad that many people have accepted it as a fact of fact of the government operations, but have you heard any more development development about the Ethiopian conflict that's happening right now? No, I have not, but I'm about to look into it. Ethiopia. Same with me. I think we can guarantee our oh, viewers that mass- we're one of the only podcasts that actively research while recording just shows <laughs> you how much how dedication and commitment we put to you viewers. Oh, they're mass killing civilians? Oh, wow. It's really escalating. That reminds me of... Blank. Be very careful what you say, uh, Graham. <laughs> Be very, very careful what no, you I was, say. No, I was going to say that. I was going to say... um. I was saying um, in uh, Pakistan when they went the Bangladeshi s- civil war there, which is actually a really interesting historical topic. I'm, because I'm sorry, the Bangladeshi civil war in Pakistan. Less of a Bangladesh. So, Pak- wait, was it Bangladesh- like the Pakistan East Pakistan split? Yeah. So Bangladesh oh, okay. was originally part of Pakistan, right? Yeah. So when there was a more progressive governmental leader put in place there. Then um, the Pakistanis our military moved in and started killing a lot of civilians in an attempt to suppress them. And this would normally have been recognized by the international community as like a big event and something to be stopped. But this was a crucial point in Chinese-U.S. relations at the time, and the U.S. couldn't afford to lose Pakistan because... Pakistan was allowing Chinese and U.S. dignitaries to meet with each other on Pakistani soil. So the U.S. tried to play down the conflict as much as possible. This was during the Nixon presidency, mind you, too. Like, oh, one of, of the conspiracies. And so the and it also has to. This also sparked. So this is actually the largest human displacement in human history. More than three hundred million refugees moving into India. So this caused massive unrest in India. And it actually sparked the second Indo-Pakistani war. Oh, and with the Indians being supplied by the Russians and Pakistanis being supplied by the military, or by, not the military, the U.S. Albeit though the U.S. didn't give them exactly state-of-the-art technologies, they were fighting MiG-21s with furies, but still it goes to show that yeah, it's like definitely it, an interesting it, situation. Yeah, I mean, it's probably going to result in a civil war at this point. Like, there's not really much that can be stopped in Ethiopia. No. Yeah. And yes. the African Union is trying to urge a ceasefire. Oh my gosh. Yeah. When has that worked? The African Union is like the UN, but more useful. Like, sorry, less useful. Uh, Pan- what are your thoughts on Pan-Africanism? 
I don't know, like the unification? Yeah. I think it would be a, like on paper, yes, but it's just that the states there are so like divided on everything that it would be almost impossible to unify them all without it breaking down within a couple of years. I don't really think it could ever work. I mean, the Europeans, when they left, just, like, made borders with different tribes of people in them, and they, like, collapsed almost immediately. Yeah, it hasn't gone over well, and I don't think it would work again. Yeah. Like, Africa is, was a, is a country of a lot of diversity. From, yeah. like, South Africa to Egypt. Yeah, it's... it's yeah, I think can't really be disputed that the European lazy border drawing is the a lot of the reason for a lot of conflicts there right now. Yeah, we're going to leave, and we're all just going to give you straight lines, and it's going to work great. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Oh yeah. Clip recently resurfaced of Mike Pence. This is before the Donald Trump presidency, but Mike Pence filibustering for 15 minutes to the U.S. Senate about Garfield. Wait, what? I'm I'm not joking. He went on a 15-minute rant. So we'll make our viewers aware of what filibustering is. And filibustering is a U.S. term for when, or according to one former politician politics is the art of delaying a decision so long that it is no longer relevant and filibustering is more of the actual embodiment of that idea it is when a politician wastes so much time that a decision is no longer viable and so so you can actually find a video there's mike pence right he's sitting up there He's got a poster of Garfield. And this isn't any historical or famous Garfield. This is Garfield, the cartoon cat. And he's got a poster of Garfield behind him. And he talks for a solid 15 minutes on Garfield. It is Happy birthday, Garfield. It is quite an experience. It's, it's really quite interesting. <laughs> I'm really happy to see politicians like Mike Pence putting politics aside talking about what really matters. A celebration of Garfield. All hail Garfield. Hail the Lord Protector Garfield. Also, this is... I'm going to put out an advanced uh, apology to all Garfield fan listeners, but apparently the whole reason... The Garfield isn't meant to be funny. Even Jim Davis said that. It's meant to be consistent, which is why it's been so successful. Like a proletarian icon, I believe. It's no Garfield is is more done for business standpoint than an actual like is the like it's hard to put it, but Garfield isn't designed with comedy in mind. He's designed in retaining newspaper in so money. Garfield is yes, so it's so consistent that like. All newspapers will take it up because you know exactly what Garfield is. You know it's going to be there, and you know it's going to be read by a lot of people. And no one dislikes Garfield. Like you can't go like, "Oh, I I hate Garfield." Put it out of the newspaper. Like there's no one dislikes Garfield, but it's not 
Like that's what it's designed for. It's it's, it's always there. It's, it's yes, yeah, like it's end goal was almost mediocrity, just so it's so ubiquitous and so like you know what every Garfield comic's gonna be like. So it, it's really designed from a, like a economic standpoint, which is actually quite interesting. Yeah. I mean, it's funny because actually recently Garfield's become something of a proletarian icon. Like his hatred of Mondays and stuff and all that is considered sort of a paying homage to the working class. So that is rather ironic. I don't know about that, but Here, apparently, apparently, apparently Mike Pence has a, is a really big Garfield fan. He has a he has a poster that says Garfield for president with a picture of Garfield in front of a US flag on his office. Huh. And he's a collector of Garfield memorabilia. That is interesting. I never knew Mike Pence was a Garfield kind of guy. I mean I never what? knew Hunt I never knew Hunter Biden was a cocaine kind of guy, but you know, yeah, don't like Jim Davis has given signed, signed uh, Garfield comics and posters to Mike Pence on numerous occasions. Huh. Interesting. You can also get an official Jim marriage license, Garfield team marriage license signed by Jim Davis, but not on Mondays. That's great. Also, Hunter. Sorry, Graham. Graham. Sorry. Just still thinking about hunter biden anyways see i told you garfield's a proletarian icon i just sent you something and you'll see it it'll make sense all right i will i will view this <laughs> <laughs> for the for the listeners it's um it's a t-shirt with a picture of garfield and he has a, a soft drink and a burger and it says arm the proletariat around <laughs> Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> Famous icon. Oh my gosh. But, yeah. Oh, I think now would be a good time to bring up some interesting Denver airport conspiracies. For oh, the our, Denver airport. For any of our viewers who aren't aware of the Denver airport conspiracies, they're wide-ranging and a many bunch, so we will delve into these now. Like The main one is is that like the Denver airport it's a bit weird like even if you look at pictures of it just the murals on the walls and like the statues are all really weird and there's also a giant stone with the freemason symbol on it that says in dedication to the Denver airport and there's like there's a mural of like a big guy in a gas mask with a sword holding an AK-47 just on the wall. And this is in Denver Airport. This is... It's... It's really odd. And also, uh, there's also a bunch of secret tunnels underneath the airport, which is weird as well, but... Apparently, they're mainly used for baggage transportation, but... Yeah. And it was like a... It's a failed baggage transportation system. The Freemason for the Freemasons thing is because apparently the Freemasons donated a lot of money to the construction of the airport, and so they're commemorated. Yeah, but it's also it's also like 
But like, who who chose the murals and the the art? Okay, the thing about the art is that it's displayed out of context. It's a the art is about rebuilding after war and pollution, and so that was like the first part of the series. But they just took that and left the rest. So there's just a picture <laughs> of some like man with an AK-47 and a gas mask and a sword, like killing people and the whole point is after it's like oh we're gonna rebuild the world and stuff but no it's just and there's also a mm-hmm. rainbow behind him and we're not sure why he has a rainbow uh it's also it, it's also worth mentioning that the the run the runways are assembled in the shape of a swastika so it's honestly probably more out of practicality than anything yeah else. but kudos to whatever uh arcade architect looked over that and was like, yeah, this is okay. I don't see anything wrong here. <laughs> Sounds good. It's like, oh yeah, I don't think people are going to notice that there's an unfortunate arrangement of our runways, but thinking of it, that shape probably would be more like practical for for like airplanes. So you can land like four at a time without them having much of a chance of hitting each other, but still I think this time the symbolism the importance of the symbolism outweighs the practicality and it would would have been a much better choice to not yeah probably also it honestly just might have been an inside joke on the design team i feel uh i don't i don't know (laughs) (laughs) hey you know it'd be hilarious what if we made the uh the runways in the shape of a swastika Oh yeah, that's oh, gonna oh, oh, I found I found a comment on a website about the Denver air of Denver conspiracy. And oh my, let me just read this out loud. So from Tippy Toby. Sure you want to do that before you <laughs> Tippy Toby. The Illuminati always hide their clues in plain sight. It's how they <laughs> identify and communicate with each other, allowing each other to identify what belongs to their cult. The writer makes a good point about conspiracy theorists needing something to believe in to keep that excitement going. But at the same time, it is also the tactic of those that want to deflect from the reality to throw out a morsel or two to say, look, folks, this is all it is, or to defame the so-called, quote-unquote, conspiracy theorists by making them look petty, quote-unquote, paranoid, like the writer says, and excitement seekers. Either that's done by those who really want to deflect from the truth or by those who themselves don't understand. There's too many darn, there's too darn many symbols and clues in this airport to make it look like it is all coincidental. That's one thing the writer ignores. The sheer, spelt as in like the sheer you use to shear sheep, not like sheer, S-H-E-E-R, amount of clues. It's one thing if you have one or two things that may be put there, you can dismiss that. But to have a number of them, three question marks, I would go into all this, but you'll have to research it. That's why so-called quote-unquote conspiracy theorists are going after their er, this airport in their posts and YouTube videos. I, myself, haven't seen a lot of videos on this particular airport, but I've seen videos on plenty of other sites and ceremonies that have had more than enough evidence that it's Illuminati and New World Order sat- satanic symbolism. I'd say those who dispute these things are those that don't understand or don't want to. Thank you, Tippy Toby. For enlightening us, I think it's also worth mentioning that, like, the staff and like the 
leadership of Denver Airport are completely chill about it and have actually like endorsed it. Like whenever they have remodeling up, there's like a poster of like a lizard person that's like, "What are we doing?" It, it's pretty funny. That's great. Like it, it's good that they're so well humored about this. Also, disclaimer: we don't endorse or like support or believe in any of the conspiracy theories that. Oh no, we just think they're funny. Yeah. So, Please don't take this seriously. <laughs> yeah. Please don't believe us. We don't believe ourselves. Uh, yeah, there. I just sent the picture. So it's, it's like it's it, it's funny that they're so well humored about it. It's it's nice. That's pretty cool. <sighs> oh, the comments on this article are golden. <laughs> Feel free to share some of them. Um. From Andy Mbayo, you seeking... Okay, this is in all caps, like this first bit, until I say etc. You seeking for riches, fame, power, protection, solution, knowledge, wisdom, etc. Are you a businessman or woman, politician, musician, pastor, lawyer, actor, actress, banker, footballer, model, graduate, student, engineer, and you want to be rich, famous, and powerful in life? This is your golden opportunity, and no human sacrifice. The Great Illuminati Brotherhood will make you rich, powerful, famous, and wealthy. You can achieve all your dreams and heart desire by being a member member of the Illuminati Brotherhood. Long life and prosperity here on Earth. And there are Wait, great benefits like, and rewards. Sorry to interject, but is this like an advertisement or is this just someone commenting? This is just a comment. Oh my gosh. And if you really want to become a member of the Great Illuminati, contact us today via WhatsApp at 234-814-777. If you want to contact the Illuminati on WhatsApp. Also, it's okay if I say this number because this is public. This is a public comment. Oh, okay. I I, I don't know. Viewers, please don't call that number. It's probably just the guy... With some sort of scam, please don't. Don't call the please. number. Yeah, don't. <laughs> don't call the number. We would like our podcast to stay up. Please don't call the number. Uh, yeah, but... There's some interesting conspiracy theories about the Denver airport. Oh, yeah. It definitely is interesting. Yeah. What are some other good ones? Trying to think of some. Do you think the? Oh yeah. What what is it? I was going down a Twitter thread, and I saw Mike Pence used to draw cartoons. We found them; they're strange, and it's a picture of Garfield holding John. But anyways, moving (laughs) on. Like here. Like <laughs> that can't be real. That's not real. There's no way that's real. Anyways, what were you gonna say? What were you gonna say? I'm sorry. I think on a more serious note, do you think the Germans could have managed to build a atomic bomb? No, no during way. the Second World War. Um, the thing is. Germans rejected what they called Jewish science, which was most basic concepts of physics and mathematics. They thought, yeah, they thought it was like a Jewish plot or something to destroy Germany. 
And so they rejected most of basic science, which made it very difficult to develop modern technology. And they also booted out all their very all their intelligent scientists who ran away to America. And so they just they had a massive brain drain. They refused to acknowledge basic science. So there was no way they would have done it. Yeah, and in addition to that, their entire stock of heavy water, which is an essential ingredient in any nuclear experiments or uh, infrastructure construction, was destroyed in a with a single timed bomb over a lake in Norway. So it's it's actually pretty interesting. It's it was raided by a, a special SAS team that was deployed there, and it was like a whole secret whole operation. To, yeah, to blow up their labs that were developing yeah. heavy water, and their entire like. Entire ten years worth of it was lost with a single time bomb planted by someone of the Norwegian resistance. Yeah, oh, that's pretty interesting. Yeah, another conspiracy theory that is interesting is that Rasputin was killed by the British. Isn't that not really a conspiracy theory, but like an actual confirmed fact? Well, it's now it's like Rasputin's death. There was only like two or three witnesses and they were the ones who actually killed him so it's not like anything can be stated to be fact originally but a new theory that is like makes quite a bit of sense and isn't more of is more of like a here's what might have actually happened rather than the whole Rasputin song but it's that uh, Rasputin was killed by a British agent yeah which is interesting, and it, it makes sense, I'll explain this, but it's, um, so the prince that was going to kill Rasputin, he was planning it for a while, and his, one of his friends was secretly a British agent, and he, he was in on it too, so he asked his prince when he was going to do it, so the prince told him, British guy said if he could show up, said sure, so he did it, and when they finally did the posthumous, like, examination of his body, it was a bullet to the head of a point. 3577 Webley revolver, which was the British standard British Army officer's revolver at the time, which was only available to members of the British government or military. And seeing the fact that a British officer was present at his assassination and was a close friend of the prince who has been claimed of killing him, was it, it makes a lot of sense. And Another fact that's recently resurfaced is a telegram sent by the British envoy in Russia to the um, British government was sent notifying them that Rasputin had been killed before the Russian government actually knew or had found his body. So it makes this is a conspiracy theory that actually makes some sense. It's not really more of a conspiracy theory, it's more of like interesting historical fact. Yeah, it's like here's what probably happened. Because. Yeah. Rasputin's kind of a mythical figure almost at this point. There's not really much known about him. Yeah, actually, you want to know a fun fact? If you look up uh, Rasputin, his profession is Russian peasant. <laughs> oh, but it's like yeah. Joshua Norton. Have you ever heard of him? Oh, wasn't he like the king of America? The first the emperor America. of the United States. Yes. He passed his own currency, which was actually widely accepted in San Francisco. He wasn't seriously endorsed as the emperor, but it was more of like a, it's like a fun San Francisco thing. His first act was to abolish the U.S. Congress. He then establishes himself as 
the um, um, the emperor of the United States, and he was arrested, but then due to public demand, he was released. And being the generous man he was, he pardoned the officers that made the arrest. <laughs> and and under the 1878 U.S. Census, they took down his profession as emperor. <laughs> that's that's amazing. Oh, he took the the secondary title protector of Mexico as well. Yes, Joshua Norton the first, emperor of the United States and protector of Mexico. Nationality is American, English, and South African. That's pretty legendary. Yeah. Oh, here's a very interesting one that I have failed to mention so far. Everyone knows Mussolini, the Italian fascist dictator who went to war with Hitler against the Allies during the Second World War. Here's an yeah. interesting personal fact. He wrote a romance novel in 1908 called The Cardinal's Mistress. It's Which isn't... It's actually quite bad, but in 1928, when people discovered it, it became like moderately popular among like diehard fascism fans, and and it was published in German as well. <laughs> of course, it was. <laughs> so, I, I read some excerpts from it. It's not good. Like it's it's poorly written with like weird conjunctions and like. He tried to make up a few phrases and verbs, but they don't go over well at all. It's like the words hurled from his mouth and like more stuff like that. Truly Italian and it's is the like, most beautiful language. It's also like using the same descriptive words multiple times in a row to describe the same person. It's like the boy's boyish face looked boyish. It, it, it's like pretty much an actual, like a, a It's basically fiction. a poorly written fan fiction. Yeah. And like the only reason that someone would actually read it was just because Mussolini wrote it and just for the novel, novelty of that. But like no one would actually read it because it's, it, it's, it's pretty bad. It's like a pretty mediocre It's book, It's not yeah. a good book. Yeah. You can get it on Amazon, though. So interesting to check out if you're. We're not. In, we're not. We're not endorsing it or anything. But you know, no, Mussolini, but... kind of a fire writer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, honestly, I feel like talking about Mussolini's steamy romance fiction is a pretty good end to this podcast. It's only. Oh my gosh. It, it's $75 hardcover. It is? Yeah. But it, on, on Kindle, it's, it's $2.99, so... $3 to read the work of the great Il Duce. <laughs> uh, I, I consider that worth it. But yeah, I, I feel know. like talking... Yeah, talking about Mussolini's book is a seems like a pretty good segue to end this episode, wouldn't you say, Graham? Oh, yeah. We can even end it with a passage from the book, if I can find one. Oh, yes. Let's see. I, I looked on the Amazon one, and it's currently unavailable. But, Mussolini. um... Uh, where can I find Romance it? novel quote. Let me see. Oh, oh Mussolini yeah. quotes. Uh, 
I wonder how much an original copy of it would go for. Oh yeah, so turn off the podcast now if you don't want to get it spoiled, but like the main character gets poisoned and then dies. Oh, I have a, I have an excerpt. Okay, wait. First, make I I don't think the book there's anything in it. Just, just make sure there's nothing explicit. Oh, it's quite explicit. Oh my goodness. Um, this All is right. just her being like, okay, okay. If this is if this is bad, we might just cut it. But let's see. Ah, you do not listen to me, shameless courtesan, harlot. <laughs> Well, I shall let you to get you. Well, I shall come to get you in this same castle. I shall let the common brutes of the marketplace satiate their idle lusts on your sinful body. You shall be the mockery of the unreasoning mob. Your corpse will not have the rights of Christian burial. You will be cast into the field of Badia with the witches. And when the hour of your agony comes, when trampled upon, transfixed, and rent by the blows of the mob, you shall implore aid and succor with the eyes which now so disdainful regard me. I shall be the evil demon of the supreme hour. I shall come to torture you with memories of me to gloat in my triumph. Mussolini, who hurt you? I know. <laughs> who hurt you, Mussolini? It's two stars on Goodreads. <laughs> I, I think the only reason it's two stars is probably because fascists will rate it five. Oh yeah, this guy gave it two stars. It. it... Somebody described it as junk food for the brain. <laughs> and then this review is just in Arabic. <laughs> <laughs> uh... Uh, but yeah, I feel like that's a pretty good place to end it off there with a quote from Mussolini's greatest book. Oh yes, he he actually wrote quite a book, quite a few books, including in 1944, the the rise and fall of Mussolini by Mussolini. <laughs> Poor guy, he he knew he was done. Like, yeah. at least kudos to him, I guess, for for recognizing defeat. He like, I believe he was hung by his feet and beaten to death. Yep. So that's interesting. Oh, on that on that slightly dark note, this is a goodbye from your host Graham. And Will. And we'll see you guys next time. Thanks for tuning in. Alright. Okay.